Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Please let me know that guy who would die in my place. And he's calling me? Oh, yeah, I want to I wanna go to him. I want to go to him. That's what won me over. Like, you died for me? You rose from the grave for me? That's crazy. Yeah, I want to be next to you for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I will follow you wherever you go. Done. Done. He's calling me. He's calling you. He's calling you. Are your ears open to hearing from the Lord? In today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you that the Lord is always in pursuit of you. It's just a matter of whether or not your heart is open to receiving Him. God doesn't force His way into your life, but He'll stand at the door of your heart and knock. Pastor James urges you to let God into your heart and life. Receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He's a God who pursues you, loves you, and has died for you. So receive Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I need a reason for living in this chaotic world. And he says, I'll be your reason for living. I'll be your peace that surpasses all understanding. I'll be your hope. I'll be everything you need me to be. Let's go. It's beautiful when Jesus does that for us. And I pray that you've had that encounter with Jesus. Just like blind Bartimaeus, he had that encounter with Jesus and Jesus hears him, and he stops, and he's like, just go get him. Just go get him. Quit yelling at him, and just go get him. Christians, quit yelling at him, and just go get him. I don't even know if I can say Christians. Let's say church people. Quit yelling at them, and just go get them. And bring them to Jesus. And you don't even have a whole lot of responsibility there either. Because it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of bringing people to Jesus. And we get to participate in that by sharing the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And he carries the weight for us. He does all the heavy lifting. Jesus does all the heavy heavy lifting. Have you ever worked out? And you work out with a partner in a gym? Have you ever done this? Like do the bench press and all that good stuff? I don't do that. But when I played basketball in high school, we had to do that scrawny kid. I can never bench press that much at all. I always needed a spotter. I needed a spotter. And if you got a really good friend, uh, they, would, they would, you know, carry most of the weight for you and make you feel good about yourself, right? You're like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it, right? And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all the work. I'm carrying all that load for you, buddy. Of course, if they were a really good friend, then they'd let go of that and let you suffer for a little bit. But, but this is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He carries all the weight for us. He's already moving in people's lives. He's already speaking to them. He's the one who draws them to Jesus. But we need to go get them. We need to go tell them about the gospel. We need to introduce them to Jesus. And I get it. There's a lot of anger and hostility and all that stuff. But maybe behind all that are cries of help and cries of desperation. And people are just saying, somebody please save me. 
We need to hear that. And we don't need to be so focused, like so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. That's not the point of your existence. Your point of your existence is to praise him and to tell people about him. That, I mean, that's it. And it's, there's so much there for us to do. And I love that. Jesus just stops and he's like, go get him. And so the, whoever's in this crowd, and maybe this is some of his, his disciples, they approach Bartimaeus and they call to him and they say, cheer up. Be of good courage. Cheer up. Why? Why? He says, come on. He's calling you. Oh, that phrase right there just blew me away this week as I was studying. That one little phrase, he is calling you, totally just, just ran me over this week. Studying through this, all that good stuff, making my observations and that, you know, interpretation, application, all that fun stuff. But when I got to there, I was just like, dropped the pen. I was like, I got to take a second just to soak this in. Approach those people, coded them, say, he's calling you. Just how beautiful that is. The Messiah, Jesus, son of David. This is this guy crying out, have mercy on me. And then these, probably a disciple goes to him and says, he's calling you. Jesus, the Messiah, he's calling you to himself. I don't know of any other more beautiful phrase than that one. It, it, for me, it like gives me goosebumps like crazy because I remember when he called my name. But just to know that, to be able to approach other people who maybe are crying out for help and go to them and be like, maybe Jesus is calling you. Maybe he's calling you to himself. What a great, what a beautiful message that this God who would take on human flesh and come to this earth and live a sinless, perfect life so that he could be a perfect sacrifice for us and to die on the cross. I want to know that guy. Please let me know that guy who would die in my place. And he's calling me? Oh, yeah, I want to, I want to go to him. I want to go to him. That's what won me over. Like, you died for me? You rose from the grave for me? That's crazy. Yeah, I want to be next to you for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I will follow you wherever you go. Done. Done. He's calling me. He's calling you. He's calling you. Bartimaeus thought he was calling out to Jesus. And he did. But the real kicker of the whole story is that Jesus called out to Bartimaeus and says, come to me. Come to me. And that's so cool. I remember uh, in Matthew's gospel, that beautiful invitation, come to me, all who, are, are, all who labor and a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Jesus never stops calling us. Never stops calling us. In this little story, it's a, a call of, of salvation and new identity and all that good stuff. And then that continual invitation from Jesus is that of, it's that of rest. It's that of rest for us. It's beautiful. Cheer up. Be of good courage. He's calling you. Look at Bartimaeus' response. Verse 50, it says, he threw aside his coat. That's his beggar's coat. That's his identity. That's who he was. That's how he was known by everybody. The beggar's coat. 
And in an, in an instant, when he heard that Jesus was calling him, he tossed aside his identity, whether it was he, the identity that he took upon himself or an identity that others had placed upon him, he was done with that. And he was ready to embrace a new identity, and that would be found in Jesus Christ. There's so much there. It's not like he just threw off an old garment. No, he threw away the old Bartimaeus to receive the new Bartimaeus. That's literally what's happening here. It's not just like he threw off his, because why would he throw it off? If it was just a coat, why would he throw it off? But it symbolizes much more than that. He's like, this is who I once was. And this is how people identified me as. But I am no longer that. This, he's still blind. He's still blind. He's not, he cannot see. But it's his faith. He knows, man, he's calling me. And he already recognizes him as the Messiah, as the Savior. And it's his faith that knows my life's forever changed. My life will, is forever changed. And he throws away the old. Also, he can put on the new. It's a beautiful story. Like just what his actions right there, just what he does speaks volumes to us. Goodbye to the old, hello to the new. He embraced that new, new identity in Christ. He would no longer be known as the beggar. He would no longer be known as blind Bartimaeus. Never again would he be known as that. No, he's Bartimaeus, a follower of Jesus Christ. That's his new identity. He's a Christian, a Christian, a Christ follower. And nobody else could label him. Nobody else would be able to put an identity or anything on him. He received his identity from Jesus. And that's true for you and I. Your identity is who you are in Christ. It's who you are in Christ. The world can't slap a label on you. The world can't put an identity on you or anything like that. Who you are is if you're a child of God, meaning you belong to Jesus, you place your faith, your hope, your trust into him as your Messiah, as Lord and Savior, you are his kid. You are his. You're a child. That's your identity. Nobody can take it away from you, and nobody can throw any kind of other old coats on you, so to speak. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. And he's the one who, he defines us. It's beautiful. That's an amazing thing. I remember an interaction I had with a guy in Starbucks one, uh, one day, and, and he was blown away by this statement. He once served in a church. He once served in a church, and then he's, he made some decisions and all this good stuff and walked away from it and, and just embraced another lifestyle. And we were having this interaction with each other, and and I made this, this statement. I said, um, look, there's, there's nothing in my life that um, really that identifies me. My, uh, my sexuality does not identify who I am. Jesus defines who I am and who I am in him. He was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, no, 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 your sexuality is all of who you are. And I'm like, no, it's not true. My identity is Christ Jesus. I'm his. He's mine. Like that's, and I, and, and that has set me free from all sorts of hangups and hassles. And I'm, I'm just, I belong to the king. That's who I am. I belong to the king. I'm a Christian. 
And I embrace that term. I know it gets, it's got like a bad rep or whatever, but I'm talking about the true definition of Christ follower. I am a Christian, and I'm proud of that because he died for me. Because he died for me so that I can live and follow him. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'll take that. That's who I am. Blind Bartimaeus, no longer blind Bartimaeus, no longer beggar Bartimaeus. He is, he's a son within the kingdom. He threw his cloak aside. He jumps up and he, he came to Jesus. He probably ran to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? And this is where you're like, really, Jesus? Like, <laughs> you know, like, Jesus knows he's blind. Jesus knows he wants to receive his sight. He knows that. But he's just throwing that question back to Bartimaeus so that Bartimaeus just, and he, he's going to him so that he can receive his sight. But I love that. Jesus has this like real practical kind of conversation with this guy of like, so what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It's like, well, um, I got an unspoken prayer request. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Be specific in your prayers. Be specific in your prayers. You're praying for something. Let me spoil something for you. He already knows what it is, okay? So let's remove the mystery. He, he already knows what you need, but there's an element to our prayer life that has to be direct. It needs to be, like, specific. If you, if there's, don't beat around the bush with Jesus. Like, if there's something that you're like, man, I really need this to happen. I really, I have this tremendous need, but I kind of don't want to ask Jesus for it. So I'll just go a roundabout way of kind of hinting at it, kind of not. Just ask him. Just tell him. I mean, it could be a yes, it could be a no, or it could be a maybe. You know, I don't know, but be direct with Jesus. Jesus, this is what I need. That's what he's doing with Bartimaeus here. He's given him an opportunity to express himself what his need is. That should encourage you in your prayer life. Tell him what you need. Just be real with him. Just be clear with Jesus. Like, he knows. And, and it just sometimes it's so good for us to, to verbalize that. I would say take it a step further and, and get yourself a little notebook and write out those prayers. Lord, I need this. I need you to do this in my life. Be specific. You're not being bossy. If that's your fear, I don't know if that ever is, but if you're thinking like, I don't want to be pushy, right? No, be direct. Tell them, Jesus, I need you to come through for me. This is what I need. Bartimaeus, I think, I praise God that he's like, I need eyes. I can't see. Like, my biggest need right now is vision. That's what I need. So I'm going to encourage you to go to him and be direct. Be clear. I mean, Jesus, this is what I need. How he answers that prayer is up to him. It's up to him. His will be done. But that should never stop you from going just directly to him and saying, man, Lord, this is what's going on. And this is what I need. This is what I need. Because I think as he's constantly calling us to him, he's also constantly asking us, like, what do you need? What do you need? Well, this is what I need. This is what I think I need. Sometimes we don't even know, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I kind of want this. Well, tell him what you want too. There's no guarantees that he's going to answer those prayers. But I mean, my goodness, he's a good father. Like, 
Why do we put all these, we put all these boundaries against Jesus in our prayer life, which is kind of nonsensical if you think about it. I would encourage you to have a, a very real, reverent relationship with him to where you can go to him anytime, talk to him about anything, and make any request known to him. And if he answers those prayers with a yes, sweet. If he answers with a no, then just trust that he knows better than you, and he's withholding that, something from you. And if he says, maybe, then you follow that up with like, okay, then I'm going to need some patience, Lord. That's a spiritual gift, right? So can I get an extra dose of that? Because we want our prayers answered immediately. But here's Jesus with Bartimaeus. He's like, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And, and Bartimaeus' response is this, it's classic. It's beautiful. New Living Translation says, my rabbi, or yours may say uh, Rabboni, or however you pronounce that. That's, a, that's an intense version of rabbi. Rabbi just means teacher, okay? But Rabboni, or my rabbi, this is him identifying him as my Lord. My Lord. He's not just saying, he didn't say teacher or good teacher. He says, my Lord. This is from Bartimaeus. My Lord. My master is technically what, the, what, he's, what he's saying there. I want to see. I want to see. Just beautiful, sweet, innocent. I just want to see. But you're, you're a beggar. Don't you want more? I just want to see. If I could just see. And again, we don't know where, where he's at as far as... Um, was he born blind or did this happen at some point in time in his life? Has he ever seen before? We have no idea. And maybe it's safe to assume that he's just born blind. And so if we take that, which you're, you're okay with taking that, we can, you know, we can speculate on that. So he's born blind. He's never seen ever. I want to see. I just want to see. I want to see this world that I live in. I mean, I hear stuff. And I can, you know, and I can taste stuff and my senses and I can feel and touch. I can do all those things. I just want to see. That's all I want to do. And the blind guy who could see better than anybody else in the crowd just wants to physically see this beautiful world that Jesus has made. And Jesus, Bartimaeus' master, savior, Lord, says to him, go for your faith has healed you. Because he knew, like, I'm crying out to the only one who can heal me. I'm crying. And he had the faith. He knew, like, without a doubt, if anybody can help me, if anybody can heal me, he can. That guy who I've never seen. And probably for the first time ever, he's the first time ever I'm hearing his voice. And he's speaking to me and he called me to himself. Jesus says, your faith, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. Now, in Matthew's account, it says that both, both blind men were healed by Jesus and that he actually approached them and laid hands on them, right? So he didn't really, as far as we know, didn't like spit into the ground and make the mud and, you know, fasten some new eyeballs for these guys or anything like that. But he laid his hands on, he touched them and they both received their sights. And here's the crazy and the coolest thing. 
when Bartimaeus is blinking his eyes and the focus is coming in, right? You know what that's like when you wake up and you're just like blinking and you're just fighting. You're fighting to see yourself. You're fighting to get some focus and all that good stuff. But as the vision is becoming clearer and clearer, the first thing he ever, ever, ever sees in his life is Jesus. Ever. First thing he ever sees is Jesus' face. Of the one who stopped on that road that day. The one who called out to him and called him to himself. The one who took the time and didn't listen to the crowd, but listened to the one voice crying out for hope and called him to himself and spoke so gently with him, so graciously with him, who touched, who laid his hands upon him, the first thing he ever saw was Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I don't know anything about Bartimaeus. This is the only time we really know. There's an idea that he, he, still, he still hung out with the church, even through the book of Acts and, and on throughout his life. I bet you anything that that image was burned into his, not only his mind, but to his, in his heart for the rest of his life. It's an amazing thing when Jesus takes the blindness away from us. And we see him for the first time. Because I knew of Jesus when I wasn't saved. But it was a whole other thing when he took the blindness away from me. And I actually saw Jesus for who he really is. And so gracious, and so loving, so compassionate. I always admired him as, a, as an individual when I didn't know him. He's a good teacher. He's phenomenal. He's you know, great, all that good stuff. But to be able to see him as my savior... Man, do you remember what that was like? That's what he got. His first, his first image was Jesus. And the, the rest of the story says, he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus told him, go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. And he says, no, I think I'm going to follow you. No, I think I'm going to stick with you. He had the option. Jesus was like, you can go. Your faith, you believe in me. You can go wherever, Bartimaeus, wherever you want to, whatever you want to do. So impacted by Jesus, the Messiah, he says, no, you know what? I think wherever you go, I'll go. I think wherever you go, I'll go. And he followed Jesus on into Jerusalem, and he watched his master, his Lord, his servant, be handed over, brutalized, crucified, but then raised again three days later. We don't know what Bartimaeus did. Like, I have no clue. It's a mystery. One day, beyond this life in heaven, seek out Bartimaeus. Seek out Bartimaeus and say, dude, tell me some stories. Tell me some stories. But that's it. Like, that's on that journey to Jerusalem. And, and this will lead us up into the triumphal entry next week. So please, dear brothers and sisters, when the world is screaming out and yelling out and all that good stuff, just take a second to stop and ask Jesus, is somebody crying out for you that I need to pay attention to, that I need to stop and go and, to talk, and, go and talk to them? Because they're all around us, guys. They're all around us. They're everywhere. And what we may mistake as cries of like annoyance and all that stuff are maybe desperate cries of help. So Jesus, give us your ears. And give us your eyes. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love.